fed up with the current state of wrestling? Our hosts discuss things from the wrestling archives and enter the ring for WrestleShock. Now, join Alan Price and Chris Vint for their commentary. WrestleShock. What's that show? WrestleShock. It's What's ki- that show? It's kind of one we kind of neglected. It's kind of one that social services came and went, you're neglecting that, we're going to take it away. And then we went, no, and we've got it back. We again. love our illegitimate love child. That's so wrong. So, hello, and welcome to WrestleShock episode three. Obviously, you've been uh, listening to Operation RetroShock and ORS reviews, so welcome to this here, which obviously we're going to be talking about not the current state of wrestling, because let's face it, it's apart from CM Punk, it's kind of poop at the minute. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to talk about the retro style wrestling. Um, obviously, you've heard our thoughts on Macho Man Randy Savage's uh, WrestleMania. We were going to do a SummerSlam one. Uh, let's just say that it didn't pan out. Yeah, just a teensy, weensy, weensy, weensy bit. Not our fault, but then pan out. Uh, so we're here um, today to talk about uh, Matt, not the Macho Man. Randy See, Savage. you've got the Macho Man in your head. Uh, we're going to talk about the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, one of Alan's favourite wrestlers and one who uh, he tried to mimic and did it wrong. Um, and uh, the other one is Mr. Perfect, a.k.a. Kurt Henning. Um, so we're going to be talking about them. Uh, before we go any further, in case you don't know, but you should know, but in case you don't, I'm Chris Vint, and that's Alan Price. Say hello, Alan. Hello, Alan. See, that's Alan. So uh, we're going to kick it off with who we're going to talk about first. Mr. Perfect, Kurt Hennig. Okay. Um, obviously, what we're going to do is we're just going to go straight in and talk about it. Don't worry, there will be like a little ad break with some promos to do with Mr. Perfect and Million Dollar Man tend to be assy. Just let you get a little breather. Yeah, and to get, get a sense of what some of them uh, sound like and that kind of stuff there. So uh, we'll kick things off. So uh, over to Alan with the first point. Stop clicking fingers. <laughs> so, Mr. Perfect, Kurt Hennig, we are going to start off with really what got this man noticed in the first place, and that is his vignettes leading up to his debut. As Chris gulps down a bit of coke. Sorry. Um, yeah, so what would be your most memorable one? There's quite a few of them. I always love... The two I love involve the basketball and, obviously, him with his friend, Wade Boggs, mm-hmm. with the baseball. Yeah, because he had... To have, from what Wade said on his um, Life and Times Mr. Perfect DVD, which is a brilliant autobiographical... Well, autobiography DVD, if you want to put it that way. Autobiographic. Um, yeah, think. well, that, yeah. I, don't I think that's that, what it is. Because it came out like National Geographic or something. Yeah. Um, he said that he wasn't really hitting them, and then the, uh, they went like, okay, action, and then he like, knocked it way out of the park. Yeah. And then Wade Boggs just goes, now that's perfect. Um, I always like the, um, the basketball one, as you say, but the. One where he's with the guy and he throws American football and then runs after it and catches it. Yeah, yeah. I've always liked that one. I always thought that one was fun. 
Um, obviously, you see him uh, sinking a putt and getting a strike. And there were so many times you just saw him, you know, like missing it, and then which uh, is extras on the DVD. Yeah, you just hear like, anyone got any tips, and then he just nails it, which is quite good and fun. I do, I do love that story that Wade Boggs does say about the practice, practice, practice. Nothing happens. And then, as you said, he as soon as the camera began to properly roll, yeah, he hit it first time. Yeah, although sometimes it wouldn't actually tell him that they were starting. Yeah. They weren't actually filmed, just do some warm-ups, and then if he's missing, then it would be like, okay, we're going to just put that one in, that's fine. <laughs> um, so, yeah. But this is the same for, obviously, DiBiase that we'll mention in a bit, but these vignettes were a big part, and you see it kind of nowadays, Triple H is kind of trying to bring it back, and that vignettes are a big part of establishing a character and getting them known and either liked or hated uh, by the audience before they even arrive live in an arena of any kind because both DiBiase and Perfect are two huge heels at this you know they both are coming in here as Perfect is look at me I'm amazing stuff yeah. you and DiBiase later is look I'm a rich bloke I'm better than you all uh, that was a bit of a mini summary of DiBiase we'll get into the major part of that <laughs> later um, but you've seen it be picked up now with the likes of obviously Del Rio is huge now he's world, he's the world WWE champion um, his vignettes were done for youngs to build him up and he was hated before he even got in the arena and then you have kind of the opposite standpoint that they were building up Sin Cara um, he didn't get as huge a reaction as Del Rio but again he was still over with the fans because they were like oh look there's like another Ray mm-hmm. so vignettes big part of it and for Perfect it really did work first point then after the vignettes we're going to hit on is him having a feud with Hogan and Perfect was with the genius and of course he destroyed the belt yeah because I think they'd had a match and then they'd ran off with the belt and then they got a hammer and then it, in some in some way shape or form it kind of reminded you of the hardcore hardcore championship belt the way it was all like broken and stuff well the hardcore title was uh, the broken winged eagle well that's what it was then there you go sir. You know, so that's what it was um, and then Hogan going like oh Mr. Perfect look what you've done blah 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 um, I was never fond of Mr. Perfect with the genius. I never really cared for the genius yeah. character. Always, every time I saw the genius, I always thought that it was um, Alan Rickman from Die Hard because <laughs> they did like very much alike. But um, it was nice that he had a feud with Hogan, you know, for the likes of you know for the world championship and all that kind of stuff. I don't think it went on particularly long, but it was nice to see it pretty early out the gate. Yeah, for mm-hmm. him. Um, because you don't you don't really see many people getting that again. You could kind of say, well, Del Rio was pretty pushed out of the gates there, um, but most people really do have to get the build up nowadays. Whereas the vignettes probably helped these guys when coming in. Mm-hmm. But definitely, like you couldn't get probably much more heat than going up against Hulk Hogan and then destroying the belt. You know, it was that was kind of just like the best sort of heat you could get a hold of. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously he's faced Hogan you know in a feud here but then we have 
Him and Brutus the Barber Beefcake at WrestleMania 6. Yeah. I honestly cannot remember anything about this match. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, it's Brutus, yeah, cutting hair, and look at my giant shears. He has very addictive music back then, like I must admit, but um, this would kind of put me in mind of nowadays a sort of a. You know, if you'd have seen maybe like Eddie Guerrero, a real technical master, going up against like the bland sort of guy that you could get nowadays. I'm not going to say the likes of a Zack Ryder or something like that because that'll get major heat on the internet. Because everybody loves Zack Ryder on the internet, but quite honestly, I like the character. But in ring wise, he could do a bit better if he wants to improve. Um, obviously, we have. Chris's favourite manager of all time coming up here. Who would that be, Chris? Sonny. The other, the other one. The other oh, one. The you like one? Oh, Bobby the Brian Heenan. Yes, oh, the Bobby man. Uh, he was, of course, his manager when he won the Intercontinental title in 1990. I've funny feeling. I can't remember. It may have been from the Ultimate Warrior whenever he held. Uh, Bobby held his foot down. Yeah, I can't remember if it was that or if that was some uh, another time. But um, obviously, you've went from a manager who was only around really a short time, the genius, and then yeah. Bobby the Brain Heenan, who you know, like no he, better guy to take over. <laughs> yeah, even Vince McMahon has said that like that's like his favorite manager of all time, um, and mine as well personally. Um, but you know, obviously, Mister Perfect was then one of the Heenan family. Um, I, the, the, it seemed to be like a revolving door you know like you would have say Double A and Tully Blanchard the Brain Busters being in it or you would yeah, have that's say um, Power and Glory um, I think were or no were, yeah they were uh, obviously you had King Kong Bundy and obviously you had Andre the Giant WrestleMania 3 and that kind of stuff you so. pretty much nearly every major star at some point Apart from obviously the likes of who? Well, put it, put it this way: if you had him and Jimmy Hart, pretty much all those would have covered all the big. Pretty much the main upper yeah. sort of crust of your roster. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Um, but that is an iconic point for Perfect because obviously, yes, there was another individual who held the Intercontinental title that claimed he was the best Intercontinental champion in all the time. Santino Morella. <laughs> Well, yes, he could be arguably that, but uh, <laughs> the honk of perfect mighty meter. Um, this is, of course, the honky tonk man. Uh, he claimed he was the best intercontinental champion of all time. Uh, no, um, Mr. Perfect definitely has to be up there for when it comes to the best intercontinental champions of all time. Not Texas Tornado? Nah, the only thing he did well was ha you know, have a relation in, f in the fact that Lacey Von Erich is... Uh, you know the next generation of Von Eriks. Um that's about the height of it sorry Von Eriks. well it's true yeah, but, um, yeah she was we respect the Von Erich history but uh, yeah, sadly such, such a good wrestler like totally absolutely amazing uh, wrestler yeah wrestler uh, <laughs> but yeah Mr. Perfect and uh, Bobby Heenan you couldn't have had a better pairing for this character at the time but um, I moving, think, I think as well. Sorry, before we move on, I think as well that with Chris, <gasps> as Chris opens the cola, you have um, to remember it's a more sensitive microphone now. All this sort of stuff will be picked up. I think as well that Mr. Perfect obviously had 
a lot of heat. Very much in the same kind of vein. I'll put in modern day spin for you. Um, very much in the same kind of vein that um, Dolph Ziggler and Vicky Guerrero. Yeah. Dolph Ziggler has a lot of heat, and Vicky Guerrero adds a lot of fuel to that fire of the heat. But it's the same with Bobby the Brain Heenan and Mr. Perfect. Mr. Perfect had a lot of heat, but Bobby the Brain Heenan, as has been said, you know, like all it had to do was weasel tanky cock his head, and the crowd would just, you know, go because he was very animated. Yeah. But it's all in the face. Yeah, but that's what you want. You want a manager who goes out there and. It's not a case of Mr. You know, like Kurt Henning couldn't talk, yeah, because he was great on the microphone. But you just had somebody else who added the the, the coal to the fire to get the yeah, train. Yeah, definitely, going. because <clears throat> like you were saying there with Vicky Guerrero and Dolph Ziggler, um, Vicky has had some of the best heat of modern times in the last couple of years. Like I remember, it was I think it was earlier this year, the time she came out with Dolph and Cena was in the ring and obviously Cena gets very mixed reactions nowadays but all she has to say is those two little words excuse me and the arena just goes nuts because it's that time when Cena was in the ring and he's standing there opposite them and he's just leaning up against the ropes and he's shaking his head and he's like I cannot believe this Um, and again she's nowhere near at the level of Bobby in terms of best managers of all time we we have many years to see if she can get anywhere yeah. near up there but no one will touch Bobby I think ever unless there's some dramatic resurgence of managers considering Vicky's pretty much the only manager there nowadays um, but Hennig just the two of them and the extra heat that they both caused was just fantastic Um Next we have Big Boss Mania 7. Yes, 7. Um, again, a pretty forgettable one. Unfortunately so. I think Perfect's most memorable WrestleManias would be the ones he didn't actually participate in. Mm. I think like if you were to say SummerSlam, whenever he fought Bret Hart. Yeah, which um, is what we're going to be coming to very yeah. soon. But um, for me, his most memorable Mania would have actually been WrestleMania 8 whenever... He was in the corner of Ric Flair. Yep. And obviously, those um, then Flair was obviously um, feuding with Macho Man for the WWE Championship. Mm-hmm. Um, Flair being the champion uh, in 1992, obviously winning the title in the vacant Royal Rumble. Um, I said the Royal Rumble was vacant, but the title was vacant. Um, so he won the title, uh, defending against Macho Man. Macho Man won, but. Um, you know, like afterwards, then you had Ric Flair, you had Bobby Heenan, and you had uh, Mr. Perfect. So that for me was just a great like unit. Yeah. Um. So it was, but um, no, I, I can't really. Again, uh, unfortunately, like the Big Boss Man, he has had a lot of forgettable mania moments. Mm. Probably his most famous one would be for all the wrong reasons, which would be WrestleMania fourteen. Was it that um, he fought Undertaker? Mm. And uh, the Hell in a Cell. Yeah, that wasn't too pleasant. No. Considering the eventual circumstances of what happened to the Big Boss Man in the sense of him passing away not too far in the distant future after that match. Um, as Chris just mentioned, Bret Hart, could this be considered his best feud? And this, of course, was 1991. Um, this would be kind of 
not to hop back again to the sort of Eddie Guerrero bandwagon, but this would nearly be when it comes to terms of technical all round ability, sort of Eddie Guerrero versus maybe Kurt Angle. So then you have two technical yeah. masters of the ring. Mm-hmm. Obviously, um, the styles between an Eddie and a Kurt are slightly different, but nonetheless, you know, with these two guys, with Bret Hart and Kurt Hennig. Now, I'm not a big Bret Hart fan. Nope. I, he always, and I read a recent interview again, toots the horn of himself. He always bigs himself up. And I will not deny, Bret Hart was a huge, huge guy for this company. And in wrestling, full stop, end of story. But there's a certain thing called humble pie. And if you're humble about things and put other people over, and no, I'm not talking about just in matches or anything like that, but in later life when you're talking about I them. I think it's something him and Hogan need to have a wee slice of. Yeah. If you do that you will be remembered better and it won't be Bret Hart oh there's the guy that was just pretty much jealous of everybody and claimed everything because obviously again he claimed pretty much Edge and Christian for his own because he said oh yeah Edge world champion yeah I knew about that and then when Christian eventually became world heavyweight champion I was like, yeah Christian was one of my guys again it's just like Bret calm down but again I'm getting slightly off topic um, these two could go out there I'm sure with maybe two minutes notice and just put on an utter clinic of a match well you got to remember as well that um, just with you saying about Bret Hart obviously in Bret Hart's DVD um, I think it's called I'm so far up on my own arse I can wear myself as a hat uh, I'm not <laughs> sure but I think that's what it may be called um, no it's the better is better was better ever will be um, he said that um, obviously at this time um Kurt was in a lot of pain in yep. his lower back and um, he actually wanted to have the match with Brett and Brett said that's something he was very thankful for yeah. that he was able to do that but um, you know like as you said it was a great match and this is something that was said and I think it was the um, story of Wrestlemania or whatever it was that um, or maybe it was Shawn Michaels DVD there's that, just that many um, somebody said that when it obviously in Mania 14 whenever Michaels had hurt his back and yeah. had to go out and put a match on um, that they don't understand how they're in so much pain but he can still go out and do what they do yeah exactly which like obviously at that time you you had no internet you had no dirt sheets that kind of stuff so you wouldn't have known that, you know like what happened with Mr. Perfect but let me mention this <clears throat> and this was obviously at SummerSlam do you say 1991? 1991 ok right SummerSlam 1991 you had an epic battle for the Intercontinental Championship between um, Bret the Hitman Hart and um, Mr Perfect then one year on you had a match between Bret the Hitman Hart and David Boy Smith which was an awesome match now, very awesome my question is this mm-hmm. when was the last time that we had two Intercontinental uh, Championship matches at a pay-per-view mm-hmm. that were a year apart that um, st- would stand the test of time like these two matches I say we open that up as a competition to somebody we'll just pick a random prize see what we have lying about if you can come up with a back-to-back set of Intercontinental Championship matches a year apart 
<coughs> stand the test of time that are pretty much on the same pay per view. You know, we'll give it a month either side sort of thing. No, we're talking about we're talking about modern day now. Yeah, we're talking about say from we will say what from about two thousand and four. Well, we'll say from two thousand onwards. Yeah, we'll give you a bit of leeway. Cause <laughs> give a lot of much. Not much. Now it doesn't have to be the same competitor. No. Like obviously we here we have the common denominators, Bret Hart. It doesn't have to be the same one, but if you can put in and you can voice a reason as to why these two are. Yeah. You don't just say these two because then we might go just go no. <laughs> you have to put your side across very much like we're putting our side across with Mister Perfect on these two matches here. Um, just yeah we'll do that and then the winner will then win a prize because it would be more interesting now than competition part aside to see what other people think and think of certain style of matches in the modern era from the likes of the 2000 point on because these are you know the perfect heart match and the heart Davy Boy Smith match yeah these are two big matches, you know, to live up to. So you really have to put the effort in here and find out and plus know, some gems here. Plus the fact they're intercontinental championship matches exactly. as well. So unless it's going to be WrestleMania, I think I you're going to you're going to be pushed. But I, th- I think our prize is safe. <laughs> I look forward to seeing. I yes, look forward I. to seeing. Yep. Um, of course, as Man at popculturenetwork.com free entry or. Alan Price of PopCultureNetwork.com uh, will reiterate again at the end. Um, but as Chris mentioned, Mr. Perfect was in pretty bad shape here. He had broken his tailbone and had bulging discs in his was neck. Was he in that advert? Don't try this at home. Almost broke my tailbone. No, he was not. That was Kurt, was it not? Was yeah. the tailbone? Um, but yes, he had bulging discs in his neck, wrecked his back, broken tailbone. Pretty much, this man was spent. Um, so he ended up coming back in as Ric Flair's executive consultant, wearing a certain item of clothing that I am so jealous of and just would love to have <laughs> if I was a multimillionaire, like in a sort of glass cabinet. The way you see when The Rock does his promos and he has the championship belt in the background. <laughs> Something along those lines. It is, of course, that absolutely beautiful black jacket with Mr. Perfect with kind of bedazzled in the back of it. I'm saying bedazzled because that's, again, The Rock sprung in my mind from the game plan and, you know, the wee girl's jewellery kit. But, of course, it was a wee bit better done than that. All the, just, the jacket, the way he was able to spin round when he was just chatting away and just and obviously TV wasn't as good as it is now in the sense of quality so obviously at these shows when like the light sprang into the camera the light would stay on the screen for a short period of time and then it would slowly fade away so as soon as he turned around and the light hit the I'm assuming fake diamonds um (laughs) because I'm sure Vince wouldn't go that mad um, hit you know, the light hit those and it just bounced towards the camera the screen would look like it sparkled for a second and obviously he's not wrestling now so to have just those sort of be cool things to throw in there and obviously again I'm kind of homing in on a jacket <laughs> but a big part to, for him to be with Ric Flair in this yeah it's like well, you got to you got to remember that you know. Sorry, can you pull that curtain there? Sorry, yeah. we're just we're just drawing the curtains here. There we go. 
Um, Helps with the noise in here. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So you got to remember that Ric Flair was a very extravagant dresser, you know, with his robes and, you know, like his custom-made suits, etc., etc. So Mr. Perfect obviously thought, here, if I get, like, you know, diamond-crusted things in my jacket, that's going to look pretty snazzy. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, um, I don't think he wore that jacket much in that match, though. He didn't, but of course, obviously, we remember it making a huge comeback in his Hall of Fame thing with his son Mm -hmm. wearing it, which was pretty awesome to see. But um, we won't we won't stay on a jacket here for a long period of time. I think we're spent enough on it to be totally honest. (laughs) Of course, this eventually led to him being on color commentary with Vince. Now, obviously, we've had quite a few wrestlers go into the colour commentary style Roddy Piper around this period of time you had Roddy Piper you had Macho so you have Kurt Hennig all very different all very different but all very very good characters that make the fit for colour commentary I would say yes to Roddy Piper and Mr Perfect but not Macho Man Macho Man yes was a wee bit extravagant in the sense of his character and his voice yeah um but I will admit definitely Roddy Piper because I'm a bit of a Roddy Piper mark. Um, but again, Hennig, and it's again that iconic scene that you see when he's on commentary and he's wearing his jacket and all the fence and he throws the pencil up and he catches the <coughs> yeah. pencil out of the air. Do you think, Do you think though, just touching on that, and we've obviously mentioned the likes of Roddy Piper and mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Perfect who are great, two great talkers, and yes. say at current state of affairs now we have Booker T on commentary and at some stage we have Matt Stryker on commentary yeah both wouldn't really be classified as in the highest regard as top top wrestlers but would there be any ones sorry this is melting my finger would there be any ones that you would bring in from a certain from say the the current sort of roster no No. say from the late 90s early 2000s um, that you would have, you Old know, commentary. Mm-hmm. Hmm, it's kind of hard to say. I always enjoyed JBL on commentary. Yeah, uh, on SmackDown. Yeah, I thought when he was brilliant. when he was on color commentary, because I always remember the point at the time. It was when uh, Hornswoggle was being introduced, but he was under the. This was just before we went <laughs> PG. He was under the little B title. Um, and just remember Hornswoggle popping up from under the ring and throwing JBL a can of Guinness and JBL's like thank you and then, you know, he's all happy he had a fantastic colour commentary character um, modern time I remember it's not long ago now it was when CM Punk was injured and he had the really really short stint on mm. commentary on Raw and I actually thought he did a really good job because not only is he a good in ring performer and good mouth obviously we've seen that fantastically nowadays but he is a student of the game so he was able to show that in his commentary and there was that raw sure that um, it was when Jerry the King Lawler and Michael Cole were going at it and they ended up in the ring and they were getting laid out and that sort of so CM Punk had to close out the show on his own he was on his own commentary maybe five plus minutes so to have the faith in that and someone that had never really been tested on commentary yeah. was pretty good I thought I always liked Jericho 
Jericho. Jericho, and I think obviously now that he's retired, I think Edge would have made a good one. He would. He would. You know, but going back on what you said about JBL, mm-hmm. my favorite. J- we're getting way off topic here, with this not being Mister Perfect. Would be whenever Gillian Hall was singing, and he said, "I've heard people who've kicked cats who make better noises," <laughs> and that just cracks me up. Uh, but That's anyway, good. carry on. Is perfect. Right. He returned in 1992 at the Survivor Series, teaming with the Macho Man against Flair and Razor. Hey yo, Razor. Good thing for him to return in tag team competition, mm. because obviously it didn't put the huge weight on him in the sense of being a singles competitor. He's in the ring the whole time. He can tag out. He can take his time and not push himself too much. Um, but I still think even now he was pushing himself to come back. Yeah. Needless to say, he could probably have a better match injured than most guys nowadays could even have a, just a normal match. Probably, yeah. Probably. This is the thing. But again, it's not a hugely memorable thing for me because it's kind of like Flair and Razor was a bit of a weird tag team and obviously Kurt and Macho Man's a bit of a weird yeah, was, tag team. Yeah, it was kind of a case of, you know, Macho Man said, how can I trust you, etc, etc. Yeah. And all that kind of jazz. Because that was, again, it was kind of like you were taking... Perfect had always been considered a heel. He'd been aligned with Bobby. He'd been aligned with Flair. Yeah. Some of the biggest heels in the industry, and he was a heel. And now he's like, "Yeah, here's Macho Man." I think at the, I think at the end though, they did. I think he did turn on Macho Man. Oh yeah, you know because I think it was at when was this? Sorry, ninety two Survivor Series. So that would have been sort of October time. Oh right. Well, obviously in SummerSlam two thousand or nineteen ninety two, that was whenever the, you know Flair was fighting Savage, and yep. it was like Mister Perfect, who's going to be in whose corner? Yeah, and yeah, yeah, the yeah. corner of the winner. Who else? And then it turned out that they both kind of just beat the crap out of them. Yeah, yeah. And then there was kind of like a no contest match. Next up, of course, this eventually leads into Monday Night Raw. Him beating Flair. In a loser leaves Raw match. Yeah, this is always featured on Raw DVDs. So, but it's one of those ones that obviously around this time there was no SmackDown. Exactly. So it wasn't a case of like Matt Hardy left Raw and then he would go to SmackDown. Yeah. You know, like whenever he left Raw, then he left the WWE because yeah. obviously he went back to WCW. Exactly. Then. This is obviously Ric Flair who lost the match. Yep. So um, it had this match had a bit more of an impact. Then, as Chris says, a loser leaves Raw or whatever match would nowadays because you know fine rightly in two weeks' time nowadays such and such is going to show up on the opposite show or they're going to wangle their way back onto the show. That reminds me of, do you remember a couple of years ago with The Miz when he ended up getting his job back because he pretended to be like Mr. Canada or something <laughs> under yeah, a mask? Yeah. Um, that sort of a thing. Whereas here it was just like, Ric Flair, he is gone and the fans were just like, Oh, right, okay. Mm-hmm. And of course, Rick made one of the worst decisions of his life by going back to WCW because he doesn't really stay quiet over the fact of he thinks he was treated very, very badly and you can see where he was coming from yeah. with that. Yeah. But moving on, we have Mr. Perfect versus mm, Luga at Mania. This was Mania number nine. Oh, this is Luger's WrestleMania debut then? Yeah. Oh. Poop a scoop. You know, 
why does this man have poor flipping opponents at WrestleMania? Like, come on. I think it was the fact that Luger won because he had the what was it they called the bionic elbow because he had metal plate in his elbow yes. and he would run at them and be like, oh my god, he's like knocked out, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. So really, kind of building it up the way, obviously, Big Show has, as they call it, his weapon of mass destruction. Uh, as I do my quotes in the air uh, of his punch. Yeah. Basically, if you get hit with a punch, you're going down for the three. There's no getting out of it, sort of thing. Whereas they made such a big deal about that elbow. And it's just like, it's an elbow. You know, come on, people. Really? Yeah. Um, you really wish. I think it would have been different. I think it would have been different, though, if they had done the way that they had done with Bob Orton having a cast. Yeah. And he had, like, an elbow pad on because it would stop it. And then, say, he would take it off and then yeah, 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 it was yeah. exposed. You know, yeah. they did something like that. It would make more sense. Because, again, that's. Not the worst w- finishing move in the world because crushes yeah. probably will. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> that was just awful. He ended up then being the special ref uh, for Yokozuna versus Luger at Mania 10 and, of course, retired in 1994. WrestleMania 10 was one of the worst pay-per-views. It was proper muck. Yeah. Um, one, of the wor- one of the worst Manias, definitely. Because like. that was Yokozuna fought Luger and then Luger lost and then Yokozuna fought Bret Hart. Uh-huh, and then for the complete and utter madness. And then Bret Hart won, even though Bret Hart had fought... Owen earlier in the yeah. evening and then that's when everyone Hart came up with a mortal line I'm going to kick your leg out of your leg yeah way to go Owen that's just like um, that's along the lines of Ooh. what's his name that's in NXT at the minute like the one that goes <laughs> like him said in his original series if you're going to make it a win win and it's just like okay moving on people with your amazing one liners um he then aligned with Triple H in 1996. Again, a bit of a weird pairing, in my opinion, because obviously this is very, very early Triple H. Yeah. Uh, this is, like, pre-DX. Yeah, yeah. This, this is, is Hunter like, Hearst Helmsley, yeah. sort of. Um, this was his feud with um, Mark Marrow. Yes. Um, and obviously... Sable's ex-husband. And then, yeah, as he's more... Um, Commonly known or as. Or affectionately known. <laughs> or affectionately known as the man that goes to the media every time a wrestler dies and acts like he knows everything. Is that not the warrior? No. It's right. Meryl. Because the warrior does that too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so. Yeah, um, obviously they got. Um, Triple H won the Intercontinental Championship then, and then um, there was a. T- again, there was like a turn. Um, and then that was the end of that. Um, so pretty quick, sh- very short-lived. So it was. So yeah. But this, of course, led to the fact that he retired and ended up, as most of these guys did in WCW, when WCW flashed the cash, jumped ship, and from 1997 to 2000, very meh. All I can remember about his time there was the rap is crap stuff. Yeah. That's uh, all I can remember. Rap with a silent C. Um, he, of course, fought Hogan in XWF. I was just like, okay, why? What's going on here? But the most important thing, and I remember this because I watched this pay-per-view live, was the Royal Rumble in 2002. He made his big comeback and ended up being in the final three. 
Who else came back in 2002? Not, not, I don't mean in the Royal Rumble. Right. Somebody uh, else came back in 2002. Uh, Trips? Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels, sorry, yeah. Shawn Michaels came. Trips was the year before. Wasn't yeah, it? so obviously he'd been out for a while and then. Both you know, guys both, with back injuries? Both came back in 2002. Pretty ni- a pretty good year for comeback. Yeah. Um, and it was really nice to see the fact that they let him go to the final three because they make a big deal of him in yeah. the match. Mm-hmm. You know, they really put over, this is Mr. Perfect. He done so much. He is perfect. And you got to see all his moves and all that sort of stuff. And he still had it. And yeah. it was just a case of one last roll of the dice. Let everybody see that he is one of the best in the business. Unfortunately, it didn't have the best of ends for him in terms of WWE because a certain next big thing challenged him to his ability. And to be quite fair, Brock was obviously your noob in this. And you do not walk up to one of the best wrestlers, amateur wrestlers in the federation at the time who was an utter veteran and had been wrestling for years and years and years prior, yes, in between retirements, but I understand Brock was a really good amateur, but like you do not, even if you're due to be the next big thing, walk up to someone like Kurt Hennig and just go I'm better than you Yeah. because what do you expect the reaction to be? I'm just to go Okay, Brock, cheers, thank you, bye. Yeah. I'll just cash my paycheck. If you're a veteran, you're going to react. Especially if you're, your dad was a big success. Yeah. You know, like Larry the Axe Handling was obviously a big success. Exactly. And then that's not why you should go up and go... You know, fair enough, in, the, in wrestling you have so many egos flying around the place, but, you know, I think if you're a young up-and-comer... You should treat the veterans with a bit of respect. Exactly. And say, what can I learn from him? Instead of going, ah, I'm better than you, but, you know. He'd had so much smoke blowing up his rear end, Brock, at this stage. It probably, it's no surprise, really. Mm. Really kind of reminds me of a wee bit of Rocky with uh, Tommy Gunn, you know, thinking he's all, you know, all the biz. Um, eventually he went on, I'm going to not really stay on this, is he had a short stint in TNA, feud with Jeff Jarrett. Unfortunately, then, on the 10th of February 2000, Which is my dad's birthday. 10th of February. See, there's always something that ends up being in your memory for these sort of things. On the 10th of February 2003, um, as a result of the autopsy, they said it was an acute cocaine intoxication. He passed away, caused his own death, they say. And, again, we lost a fantastic... You know, wrestler, mm-hmm. and it is such a shame. It's always the really, really good guys that we can lose because we have this. We have Eddie Guerrero, we have he who must not be named, Hawk. not Lord, not Lord Voldemort or anything like yeah, that. No, but we have the likes of Hawk and yeah, you know, Bossman, things like that, and really, Matchman, of course. Really cut down their prime, and it would have been what he's one of the guys, and he's another. He's in the sort of group with Macho Man that I would have loved to have seen them at their Hall of Fame speech yeah all of it yeah him at a Hall of Fame speech would have been fantastic because 
it's again we're going on to him next Ted DiBiase I love that Hall of Fame speech because he was very much he threw in parts of the character and then there was parts of honesty mm-hmm. I could only imagine what the likes of Kurt Hennig would have been like at a Hall of Fame yeah he would have been fantastic same for Macho Man and it's a shame that we never got to see both of them obviously we got to see with Kurt his family and that is very very nice and you got to see Weird Boggs but again someone like Macho Man who's you know you're not going to get really anything that amazing out of his induction when he eventually gets inducted because you've not he hasn't got like a huge family that we know of you know, yeah, we well, know about Larry the Axe Hennig we know about obviously very much more so now Joe Hennig his son and all but mm-hmm. you know yeah but if you were to touch on like Macho Man obviously you have the likes of you know like if Macho Man doesn't have a big family you know or somebody who wants to accept that um, you do have the likes of people who have um, like Ricky Steamboat or God forbid you even have like the likes of the Warrior or things like that mm. who have feuded with them and they've got great matches out of but yeah um, it is sad that um They've never been able to see them, you know, with the likes of, say, Hulk Hogan or Roddy Piper yeah. or Million Dollar Man. They've had the phone call from Vince saying, I want to put you in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And that's what you aim for exactly. in wrestling. You know, that's what Shawn Michaels aimed for, you know, like, and that's what the likes of The Undertaker and Triple H and CM Punk and so on and so forth will aim for is they want to be recognised by their peers and by the fans as being one of the elite best definitely and being put into the Hall of Fame so it would have been nice for as his father said you know like we had a great we had a great beginning a great middle but we didn't have an end yeah the Hall of Fame kind of brought that to an end yeah because that kind of closed the curtain on his career you know fair enough now with the likes of DVDs and um, like WWE video on demand and all that kind of stuff um, you have limitless um, amount of hours of watching if you yeah. want to watch a certain superstar you have loads of videos there or if you want to watch something to do with a certain event because WWE On Demand is the best sort of what is it it's like 3 or 4 dollars you could ever really spend a month yeah mm-hmm. they actually billed me for something else and I looked at it and I went I don't remember ordering that but I thought oh, well, it's, it's the same amount of money but they mm-hmm. actually went we've actually billed you an error um, here's the money back but you are still eligible to watch like I think it was the WWE's greatest matches of all no, time or something enough. so I actually subscribed to it but it's not something that I would do not something I watch but um, a little segment that we'll start to do from now on will be maybe pick something maybe pick something and like we'll have uh, WrestleShock uh, recommends and then we'll just have a certain match maybe top three matches that we've watched yep. or something like that there because that's the sort of thing is the plan we did, we did have the plan for SummerSlam as we say um, something along those lines would have been maybe top three matches top five matches or something like that we maybe would have thrown even in a sort of maybe a commentary section or something where you could have watched a match with us and we'd have said certain things about the match. Some, something that we'll probably something do. Something like that we'll probably do it for Survivor Series. Survivor Series, yeah. You know, um, we're not going to really cover the big ones. You know, apart from the big four: the WrestleMania, yeah. SummerSlam, um, Rumble, Rumble, and uh, Survivor Series. So yeah. Survivor Series will probably be the next one that we'll probably will have like a commentary of like an older match because Definitely. we do have the, the older DVDs to go for so it'll probably be um, one of the 
four on four or five on five yeah. uh, matches, I would imagine. But, of course, speaking of DVDs, as we mentioned really at the beginning, uh, it's called The Life and Times of Mr. Perfect. If you're in the UK, it is available on Silver Vision for seventeen ninety nine. Um uk. It is a fantastic DVD. Obviously, if you're listening to this, you'd be more inclined to be an older wrestling fan. That's pretty much a given. Um, but even if you are an older wrestling fan and you never really paid that much attention to Mr. Perfect, it really is worthwhile to pick it up. Because, obviously, I'm not as old as most wrestling fans who are probably listening to this. Um, so, Mr. Perfect was someone I found out from watching the old DVDs and watching the old videos of his matches for go back and have this DVD is fantastic for anybody who wants to know about it because not only as we mentioned is there's the matches and there's the main kind of documentary part of it but you have the funny side parts where it shows you the outtakes from his vignettes you have that whenever he like comes back you see him playing chess and yep. um he must say like look what's out over there and he's moved the piece and it goes like uh, checkmate you're lose you're a loser I'm the best I'm Mr. Perfect and he goes like how did you do that how did you do that I'm the best and you're just like you know that's what it was it was like element of humour but um, just a certain edge of charisma um, would you say then that in closing um, SummerSlam 91 would probably be the match that you would highly recommend people definitely, to watch. Definitely. If you had to watch one match... That, that, either, that that, either that or Royal Rumble 2002. Yeah, just to simply see his comeback. But if you want to yeah. see him in one-on-one action, definitely SummerSlam 91. One tiny final point to hit on before we take a break and move on to the Million Dollar Man is, of course, his son, Joe... Is he carrying the legacy of Mr. Perfect? Very debatable. Yeah. Because, first and foremost, obviously he is not Joe Hennig. He is Michael McGillicuddy. Who's the one... Who's the other one? Husky Harris is IRS's son. Yeah, I was just going to say that's uh, Rotundo. Yeah. yeah. Um, He has obviously not got the name as well. It is a real, real shame. I don't understand why WWE is doing it. Well, I do understand because they want to have intellectual properties and all that sort of stuff. And if they build them by their real name, then they're stuffed. Um, because then they can go, if they eventually get released by WWE and go somewhere else, they can use that name because it's their real name. But if you bring someone in like Joe Hennig and say, This is Joe Hennig, he is the son of Mr. Perfect, the fans are going to go. Well, maybe this generation of fans are going to be, who? But then there's maybe kids that are maybe early teens and they're there with their dad or something and he can go, oh, I remember watching him when I was your age and blah, 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 blah. Um, And it would endear them to the crowd either way, be it heel or face, more quickly. Um, Because, sure, Cody Rhodes wasn't brought in under a different name. Ted DiBiase wasn't. Ted DiBiase wasn't. So why why were they, you know, brought under their real names and then someone like Joe Is it because, is it because that, well, he he came from FCW, didn't he? he? He did. He didn't come through NXT or anything like that. Whereas, well, I well, Ted and Cody came straight on the TV. Yeah, they didn't have that. Whereas Joe and Husky Harris mm-hmm. Rotundo is 
both a product of NXT because the original plan for NXT was for it to be a legends and you know rookies thing and it was to be a case of dad or a relation yeah. to be involved so like you were going to have for I think Joe it was going to be either um, probably I think going to be Larry the Axe or something mm-hmm. like that was going to be there for him and then IRS was going to be there for yeah. Rotundo so it would all made sense um, obviously Steamboat has a son he's it would have been Richie Steamboat yeah, yeah. so, so it all just matched in there um, but obviously that didn't pan out and then they just brought them in under different names and it is everybody knows it's Mr. Perfect Son so what yeah, is your but point? you have the likes to say Natalia who they will say is the daughter of Jim Nan from My Heart which is a different name but it's not so far off that we're like oh well we were just like what yeah, the hell we but know you that have star? like obviously as CM Punk said about Harry Smith but they call him David Hart Smith yeah. which was a British Bulldogs but the reason why they had the heart he was still a in heart. there was because of obviously Natalia yeah. and then at that time there was Tyson. the, the heart, heart, heart Dynasty yeah Heart Dynasty so um, you know you had that but his name was changed but not so much that it was disconnected yeah knew what it was obviously it's something that we'll touch on and this will be our link into the million dollar man would you say that Kurt's son has done a better job in his career thus far Mm. than Ted DiBiase has that's a hard one Um, he hasn't been pushed as far as Ted has got at a certain point but he has not been majorly buried yeah as much as Ted has at this point uh, Joe has kind of he's been up and then he's went down slightly and he's kind of simmering on sort of this very mm, spot between mid card and all I really wish though that they had done more with the new Nexus yeah with them in it because CM Punk's kind of went off and then yeah. they're, they're, the Nexus is no more they're not being referred to as the Nexus anymore it is just Michael McGillicuddy and David Otunga um but they're kind of hovering here in kind of nowhere land in the tag team division as tag team champions um, which is nice to see him as a tag team champion but again those belts pretty much mean nothing at the minute yeah it's very much like Cody Rhodes being the IC champion it doesn't really mean anything yeah. Triple H again says he's planning to bring the tag team division back I'll believe it when I see it uh, I would love it to be because I love tag team matches um, but he is hovering in this sort of wee area but again at the minute he's in a far more stable position than Ted is yeah. that's for sure but at the minute in the current state of wrestling like obviously you have say Natalia and Beth Phoenix you know the Divas, awesome. of, the Divas of Doom honestly I could probably see them challenging those two for those belts at the yeah, United that's Champions a, that's or as, something yeah, like that that's as strong as the tag belts are at the minute yeah Yeah, and as strong as the tag team division is so yeah. anyway anyway we shall go to a break and then we come back and talk about the million dollar man Ted DiBiase and uh, just some of his matches and different things like that so play a couple of little promos and things here and uh, we will shall be back with you very soon so stay tuned quite a celebration going on here in the locker room congratulations macho man randy savage and mr perfect got a tremendous victory however i don't mean to rain on your thanksgiving parade i don't believe you have last seen Razor Ramon and Ric Flair. It doesn't matter what you think. Razor Ramon and Ric Flair. What are you so upset about? This is the holiday season. Let's put a smile on your face. And keeping in the Thanksgiving theme, I have a perfect gift for you, Ric Flair. 
I have the perfect gift for you. This is for you because you're an unhappy guy and you got to learn how to smile and raise the remote. Don't think I forgot about you, Razor, because I got one here for you as well, Razor. Here's a turkey for you as well. Bobby Heenan, did you think I was going to forget about you during the holidays this Thanksgiving? I would never forget about you. I have one for you as well. Heenan, this one is for you because this is what you remind me of. A little chicken, a little weasel. <laughs> he could swim, he could dive, he could play golf, he could bowl, he could throw darts. Yeah, you name it. His athleticism was the cornerstone of his success and the reason he served as the longest reigning intercontinental champion of the 1990s. There are a lot of guys who are good athletes that don't have charisma. A lot of guys have charisma and they're not good athletes. To have everything come together at the same time will make somebody great and creating with a great, great performer. Despite his arrogant on-air demeanor, his Minnesota roots kept him grounded making him one of wrestling's most loved characters, although we did not get enough time to enjoy him. His light-hearted side is what is remembered throughout the wrestling fraternity. Kurt's going to be remembered for his humor. Kurt's going to be remembered for his personality. He'd go, Richard Morgan Fleur, that's our predict. <laughs> the one thing that stands out to me, I think uh, the way that, that Kurt loved his family. Mr. Perfect walks in no man's shadow, I can tell you that, he is his own man. What you're looking at right here is by far the greatest athlete the World Wrestling Federation has ever produced. <laughs> he was the epitome of corporate greed during the 1980s. All of you people out there still don't believe that you can be bought. Everybody's got a price for the million dollar man. With his flashy wardrobe and trademark laugh, DiBiase never missed an opportunity to poke fun at the less fortunate. He's going to find his own daddy for a public pool, huh? We'll see how public it is. I think we can find something wrong with the pool today, don't you? I'll be right back. Now get these brats out of the water. If you can dribble this basketball 15 times, I'm going to give you $500. Well, 13, 14. Always believing that money could buy happiness, DiBiase decided to create the most illustrious championship belt that money could buy. It's mine, the most magnificent belt ever created, and it's mine. Something that will show the entire wrestling world just how truly great I really am. <laughs> Wealth is what it's all about, Oakland. It's the bottom line. And my wealth runs deeper than just dollars. Because I'm rich in ring prowess, flush with technical skill, and extremely well off when it comes to wrestling ability. Well, you may indeed be a great wrestler, Ted DiBiase, but I can't help but think tonight you're up to something. <laughs> it's not what I'm up to, Oakland. It's what it all comes down to. And what it all comes down to is this. Money isn't everything, it's the only thing. And everyone, everyone has a price for the million dollar man. <laughs> Hello! Welcome back from the break. Hope you enjoy this little promise. Well, I'm choking on what I'm eating. I'm sorry about that. And so, yeah, so we're going to be talking about now the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase. Don't laugh, no. 
ha 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 no ha ha no not loud not loud no so what's the first point we're going to talk about Alan the point is Chris as I don't know why I went to the voice but Ted was of course handpicked by Vinnie Mac that's Vincent Kennedy McMahon yes to live the five-star lifestyle of the million-dollar man. I've always found the story behind how he became the million-dollar man really, really interesting. I don't know whether it's just because I'm a big mark for the million-dollar man character or because it is just a really interesting story because if everybody hasn't seen his Hall of Fame induction where he explains this... Basically, the story is he's working away on the independent circuits, you know, round the you know round the territories, and he gets this, the phone call to, would you mind coming up to, you know, the northeast, WWE, WWF fans territory, for a meeting, you know, with Vince, you know, we think we have an idea for you, you know, a character, yeah, and he's flown up, in the best of everything first class picked up from the airport in a limo stays in the five star five star five star accommodation goes to see Vince the idea of the million dollar man is pitched to him he will live that character you will travel first class you will be driven in limousines you will be looked after as if you were the million dollar man and it's basically everybody says it if Vince could have had a character himself that he wanted to play, this would have been it. Yeah, very much so. Vince saw this as the character he would have wanted if he was an active in-ring competitor. And Ted always said, he says, I just felt like I landed the jackpot, like he had won the lottery. Mm -hmm. And he effectively had. Because yeah. he says, along the lines of he remembers telling his wife about what had happened, and it was just they were just in shock. And anybody, any normal guy who was in that situation would be, because think about it, he's been going around the territories for years, just making enough money to get by, feed the family, Penis all that sort of stuff. All that stuff, you know. Five of them in one twenty dollar room, you know, like seven of them in the car, you know, each of them chipping in to get from one show to the next. Now you're going from that to we're going to put you in a limo, we're going to put you in a jet, we're going to put you in a five star hotel. So it's kind of a case of, in some respect, a different kettle of fish, but it's very much like how uh, the people in Tough Enough, you know, get a contract and then yeah. they, they don't really pay their dues, you know, they yeah. kind of just come in and, you know... I think they're the dog's danglies. Yeah, and it's kind of a case of, you know, you have to earn the respect. You know, One of those would definitely be from this uh, year's Tough Enough. Uh, the girl who actually happened to be eliminated first, Ariane, uh, who eventually somehow got a development contract down in FCW and of course that'll just fuel her brain for thinking she's awesome <laughs> and of course your man Andy Levine who won tough enough who has got caught on the wellness policy has he? way to get yourself started Andy <laughs> way to get yourself started but enough of the kids who pay no dues um, 
obviously, again, we're going to hit on vignettes here. One big vignette that we'll hit on here first, and then we'll get on, on to the other ones, is, of course, the million dollar belt. My goodness, this vignette is awesome, along with many of his other vignettes, yeah. but it's the one you see, first of all, in his Hall of Fame promo that they did. Mm-hmm. And it is, of course, you just see him walking in. With his cape. Yep, with his cape, so he looks you know, almighty and awesome. And he's just like, it's mine! It's all mine! And it's just like, awesome! Um, but it's again, as we said, with Perfect. These vignettes built up this guy beyond anything else, of beyond hatred yeah. or anything. I would say more so, and this is not biasy, more so than perfect, because what person isn't going to hate a guy who's filthy rich yeah, and, and shoves he, it in your face? Yeah, and he says about, you know, like, the, there's too many kids in the pool and yep, just pays, that's, yep. you know, pays to get the pool by himself. And you know, I think we can find there's something wrong with the pool. Yeah, yeah. And um, he's just lying there and the kids are standing there watching. Yeah. Um, fantastic exactly exactly and it's it's something that you don't get as much now obviously you touched on Del Rio earlier on but the only one that I can kind of remember that had a bit of an impact with uh, vignettes would have probably been Carlitos yeah he had he had quite a successful vignette campaign yeah but there hasn't really been you find more vignettes whenever they're coming back you yeah, know, like you find more the like the promos. Like here's that, somebody you know. Yeah, you know, like Edge will return, and you know this did or Rey Mysterio was still injured. I because sure remember the time Jeff Hardy came back. You know, after his long stint away, and he came back, and he was actually pretty darn clean by the looks of it. Um, the second that came on the screen, everybody went nuts for it because they're like, "Oh, it's Jeff Hardy." Obviously, he hadn't been with the company, so it wasn't a proper, you know, he's coming back, but it was a proper, he is returning, he is coming back. Obviously, Undertakers are always very mysterious. Yeah, and it was a case of, is it Sting? Is it Undertaker? No, it wasn't ever going to be Sting, really. We were just hoping. Um, But, that aside, um, Ted DiBiase's ones were always awesome, because, obviously, not only was he being an utter ass to everybody and shoving anything and everything down your neck to wind you up and get you just pure angry at this guy this led into not only being hated by everybody but the vignettes kind of transferred from being on telly being on the titantron to live and in the arena with his crowd challenges mm-hmm. because obviously again we have some of the famous ones are challenging the kid to bounce the basketball so many times and then kicking it out yeah. just before the kid manages it and of course wasn't there one as well that RVD was involved in it uh, by memory kissing, it, kissing his feet yeah mm-hmm. like RVD was involved in it. Yeah. it some of the stuff that they came up with was fantastic and for back then the way obviously you couldn't get away with it nowadays in the whole jumping the guardrail sort of thing but back then there was a real chance that people could just jump the guardrail or a whole crowd could just go mad yeah yeah pretty much and he was a pretty darn good character that would have such potential to cause that yeah well obviously it may be something that we'll touch on later on where for there was like an altercation in the 
the front row, but it was mm. with was with um, somebody who, who we would later uh, grow to like. This is true. This is true. Of course, you can't have a great villain without his servant and bag boy and money carrier and, and all that cleaner. sort of stuff. And get his autograph or he'll park your car for $5 nowadays. That is, of course, Virgil. Whoa. <laughs> Basically, he was the stooge. He was as you would consider nowadays and sadly enough this is what has happened Ted DiBiase Jr. has become Cody Rhodes Virgil he is the man Virgil is the man that will get beat up he will get if in a situation that Ted DiBiase is involved in if something is going to go down somebody needs to get beat up Virgil is going to be your man um, but I don't know about you but I think Virgil was a very essential part of this character. Uh, yes and no. Yes, I think because obviously it helped with DiBiase's character in the fact of not only is he being nasty to everybody in the crowd, but he's being nasty to this but guy who's doing he, all the stuff for him. Yeah, but could you, I understand where you're coming from? Mm-hmm. But could you could you imagine that if obviously he's in five star? Hotel, so he could basically mm-hmm. humiliate the staff by saying, "I'm in a five-star hotel. I'm paying your wages. I yeah. want you to do this. You know, like, I have this room booked all year round." Could you imagine that if he was paired with Bobby Brian Heenan? That would have been pretty amazing. The only thing I would say about that is, we said about Perfect having a very good, you know, being very good vocally on the microphone, mm-hmm. but I just don't know whether Bobby might have overshadowed DiBiase ever, ever so slightly. Because obviously Bobby ended up with Perfect reasonably early. And I know at the point we are at, DiBiase's pretty early in the career for the Million Dollar Man. But for the way the Million Dollar Man projected himself on the microphone and the whole the laugh, he was very, very loud. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if that, if you'd had Bobby speaking would have that sort of character building and strength kind of just cause him harm I don't know really what way to think it would go it's hard to really say but you could, they would have been they, yeah I'm sure they would have been good but it's just a case of I think maybe things went the right way with DiBiase being on his own because eventually obviously it leads to him being a manager in years to come yeah because of having fantastic vocal talents on the microphone. Um, another point with DiBiase is, and I don't want it to seem like I'm kind of becoming a bit of a fashion person and all that sort of stuff, but we have to mention the suits, because that was as big a part of the character as well, was here, look, designer suit, look at me, I'm amazing. Yeah, and he would always wear that to the ring and then kind of take that off yeah. whenever he was in, in the ring, you know, like so it was kind of a case of... You know, uh, complete polar opposite to IRS. He would go down to the ring, you know, like in a shirt, tie, and stay in and braces, <laughs> and stay in it. He would then take the trousers off and the shirt and everything off that would be, and then just be in his like trunks, trunks, and th- that's it. You know, so 
very much like he did, you know, going to hotels and coming from yep. hotels, he would then go to the ring in style. Yeah. And wrestle, you know, like in his um in his normal clobber. In the clobber. Of course another factor to the million dollar man character is the fact of when he beat his opponents or beat somebody up in that aspect they would get a little deposit so to say for their loss and that would be the humiliation of having and a hundred dollar bills shoved in their gob. I'd rather have that than shake the snake snake crawling all over me. This is very true because at the end of the day a hundred dollars back then go out get yourself a nice meal or something yeah. afterwards have a few drinks you know enjoy your evening yeah she lost the million dollar man but a hundred dollars is a hundred dollars and <laughs> it's more than most guys would have made in independent matches at the time and maybe even nowadays so good job for even if you lost but it is it's another cool part of the character that he's the million dollar man he can afford to just go you know we would be like hundred dollars a hundred pounds whatever it is why are you getting rid of that fucking give me that whereas he's gonna just go spare change shove yeah. it in somebody's gob yeah. it would be better if he just got like quarters and stuff and just poured them in their mouth or like Mr. Burns silver dollars <laughs> yeah exactly like, just crash them over everybody of course he is the million dollar man so he feels that everybody has a price and everybody can be bought um, I know this too well. Yeah. Uh, I know all the phrases too much. Um, he tried to buy the WW, WWF, I'll just say it, uh, championship. Of course, this involved Hogan and Andre. And the Hebners. And the Hebners. And this, of course, caused such a furore, but it is such another good story. And it's again, you can say, well, it involves Hogan, and so Hogan was the biggest deal at this time, so if you ended up in a thing with Hogan, and you were a bad guy, it was automatically going to get you so much heat. It's fantastic. And obviously, again, this isn't so far, if my army serves me, after the time when there was the initial problems with Andre and Hulk because of Bobby. Yeah, well, this would have been... This would have been after Mania 3, so yeah. this would, must have been like... Was this Mania 4 that this happened at? Yeah, I think you're talking... It was about a year. It's about a year yeah, since... This, because it was Andre who was in the final, and he won the belt, and then he surrendered it and gave it to... Ted. Ted, and then... Because Ted DiBiase Jr. in the Saturday Night's main event thing said that, you know, like he brought it home and he got to have the belt, and he was like, oh, this is really cool, and all this yeah. here, and, you know... Um, and he, he loved it, he thought it was great. But um, sadly, he was not allowed to keep it because, <coughs> of course, he had been cheating. He was a naughty boy. He, you cannot buy anything in terms of a championship. You can buy many things, Million Dollar Man, but the WWE title is not one of them. Sad, but true. He is one of that group of people, likes of Roddy Roddy Piper, that never won. Keep the snake. Yep. Never won. Oh the top belt didn't really need to again yeah there's that (coughs) argument a bit like Roddy Piper did he need a belt no he had his own but did he need the top belt no not really whereas that cannot really be said about Ted Jr. nowadays yes he had the million dollar belt for a while 
but during that time he did you know become a loser and all that sort of stuff so the belt lost its prestige a bit didn't help him he needs if he's to go anywhere he needs proper belts um, but Ted did really well without having the main title this storyline I think worked because it was like he was just it was within his grasp but he didn't get it was not official it did not get written in the history books which fair dues I still think he should have got it just but that's biasy coming through <laughs> um, of course you had the mega box and Chris the what the mega maniacs the mega powers oh yeah, you had the Mega Powers, but then later on you had the Mega Maniacs, WrestleMania 9. Yes. That's what I thought you were talking about. 1988. Okay, yeah. Yeah, before I was born. My goodness. I would have been 10. <laughs> Chris is old. <laughs> Sorry, I'm doing it again. Hulk Hogan, Macho Man, and of course, the Million Dollar Man. And of course, Christopher. I don't know why I'm doing Husky Voice. Who, hey, what? <laughs> Never mind. What do you think of this? What? Chris is spaced out, everybody. I must apologise. He's high on round trees, fruit, pastel, randoms tonight. What did I think of what? This. The Mega Powers and the Mega Bucks. He was his... Um... As according, I will read this out point for point. Chris has this in letter form. He has H8 slash MM versus MDM versus HEG. Andre the Andre Giant. The Giant. Right, okay. Andre, come on. Uh, no, I don't really remember much about um, this, to be honest with you. I've never really been a big fan of Andre the Giant. You know, I, c- I can understand why people like him, you know, because he's oh, yeah. so big and all that kind of stuff. But for me, you know, like, he's never been the greatest wrestler. I know. He never could be. You know, I know yeah, but then. Um, I mean, Dollar Man obviously had. If he had somebody else with him. You know, mm-hmm. like if you maybe had say at that time, maybe you had like Hogan and Beefcake against Macho Man, yeah, and Million Dollar Man, or maybe Jake the Snake, or maybe Piper, yeah, yeah, would have been better in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's only really WrestleMania Nine where if it was Mega Maniacs mm-hmm. versus Money Inc. Yeah, that because obviously Andre the Giant, he was very much towards the end of his days here, yeah, exactly. So he couldn't really do much, hence probably why it was a tag team match in the yeah. first place. Um, because Ted would probably have to carry it um, <clears throat> but again it was just continuously trying to get Ted over as a heel and having Andre in there he'd been the heel from the whole Wrestlemania 3 tobacco with Bobby and that sort of stuff so that again more than anything putting the match aside storyline wise was important this is a match I think Chris will get interested in this is of course Ted DiBiase versus Jake the Snake. Yes, this was a good match. So it was. Um, there, I think this was whenever at the end um, there was like the million dollar belt was in the ring and Jake the Snake picked it up as if to say like I want it and Jake the Snake was like that belt didn't mean anything. Because you know? <laughs> at that time you know you had the tag team belts, the intercontinental belt and the you know the main title. Yeah. Um, which all meant something and all had prestige whereas no harm to this but it was kind of you know very much in the same case as so many of the the actual proper belts now have kind of lost their meaning and don't really um, mean anything they're just some, uh, it's just a useless title yeah. it's like me saying I'm Chris Finn BSE bronze swimming certificate what the hell does that mean 
You know, so I got you. You know, uh, good, good matches and two of the best talkers. Yeah, in the business as well. And two very dynamically different characters as well. Yeah, so you've got Jake the Snake, who's very you know like I don't need to shout. You know, like I can get across my point to DBRC and DBRC is very you know flamboyant and very you know like Jake the Snake you say this well I'm going to say that everybody has a price and you know yep. you've got a snake well I can get a snake exterminator and kill that snake and <laughs> then where will you be and then just laugh and Virgil just stand there in the background with the You're money going, hmm. going, going yeah and twiddling the money and all that yeah, sort of stuff exactly. um, this led into the Royal Rumble 1990 at this point he held the record for longest rumble appearance. Yeah, and that would... I don't think that was broken until 92 with Flair. Mm-hmm. Uh, memory yep. serves. Memory serves, that's correct. Uh, and then that later was broke by... <clears throat> yeah. And then 619. Because uh-huh. Ray Ray ended up with like 62 minutes or something like that. Yeah, something yeah. along those lines. She made it 61 minutes and 90 seconds. That would make no sense, Chris. I know, but it was 619. I know, because Chris thinks he's funny. Okay. Um, Ted DiBiase versus Dusty Rhodes of foreseeing off the future of course Dusty Rhodes had the beautiful in his mind sapphire as Chris takes a sigh and puts his hand over his face and stuff why is this Chris? because <laughs> he had sapphire and oh, hello with Dusty Rhodes I'll be with my sweet sapphire she'd be like Sweet and fine stuff. And he goes, we've been wearing the polka dots. And Sapphire just started going like, hey, blah, blah, blah. whereas in the opposite corner, you had D- DiBiase, who was with, um, you know, Sherry. Yeah. And Sherry, of course, awesome. being, you know, like a very um, prestigious women's champion. You and know, very like, flamboyant as well. You know, like a very, very much the same kind of, you know, opposite, complete opposite to Sapphire, yeah. where, you know, like. She could put her point across, and she would get heat from the fans, and you know mm-hmm. she'd be very animated and stuff. Where Sapphire really wasn't. Um, but I think it was Dusty Rhodes was going like, um, and his DVD was saying about if he he didn't ask for somebody like her, but if he went up to Vince and said like, I want to have some blonde with big boobs in my corner and then he'd be like uh, okay you have that and he'd be like I should have went with that instead yeah <laughs> you know like um, but of uh, course it's then revealed and it's shown again in the build up to Ted's Hall of Fame that uh, he of course ended up buying Sapphire Sapphire so to speak by as Cody Rhodes said it a Cadillac yeah there was like a Cadillac he bought her a uh, coat um, there was like all these other things that um, she would actually you know buy and then turned that she went with him and it'd be something that you know back in the day would be it'd be very oh my goodness where's now and you're like really who cares it's just like why did you get why did you sell out for a Cadillac you know go a bit different you know come on put your standards up there love <laughs> um, next is a very pivotal point maybe not in Ted's history but for being there at the beginning he definitely deserves the props because he brought him in in character obviously this is of course The Undertaker and as Chris has put wonderfully in brackets ham hock lots of laughs yeah because <laughs> that's whenever Roddy yep. Power look at the side of that ham hock and you're like because like Ian that was very much 
The Undertaker had a, a presence about him, oh. you know, and as soon as he came out in the arena, well, it's very much the same case of if he comes out in the arena now, because I've been there several times and you get the chills. And I know, but could you imagine what it was like here for the first time everybody yeah. saw this man but in a live arena? You know, he had a presence about him, but he wasn't the most polished athlete. Because oh, he was he, far from the phenom. Phenom? Phenom, phenom, phenom. Um, you know, it was chokehold, and then it was maybe a uh, uppercut to the throat, scoop slam, or something. Yeah, like that. it was something like that. Whereas, obviously, we would see him grow and see him prosper. And obviously, this wouldn't be the f- the only main event kind of star that DiBiase would bring in to um, to the the wrestling world. <laughs> if that gives you an idea, that's meant to be breaking glass. If you're wondering, yeah. Um, so to be there and obviously he um, was he competing in that match it was Survivor Series yeah so it was a Survivor Series match so it was so he brought him in alright I couldn't remember if he was just because he was he was with I love you yeah I know yeah but I I didn't know if he was on the outside because I know there was like Coco Beware and Bret Hart yeah yeah Um, but uh, no it was it was good to see The Undertaker and obviously um that would be his debut then and then obviously the next Survivor Series would be whenever he would win the title from yep. Hogan um, so there was another meteor meteoric there was, a, there was a big rise you know from yeah. one year to the next yeah um, so yeah that was a very important part and obviously whenever Undertaker gets inducted in the Hall of Fame which will probably be sooner rather than later yeah, that will be true, like yeah. the Probably the start will be you will hear DiBiase introducing him, you know, like into the uh, to the crowd, and then just the the gongs going off. You that know. that would be pretty sweet, and that would be the end of KFAB as we know it, everybody, because that's really the last part of KFAB that really exists nowadays. Um, next we have is very bit of is Virgil turns face. You pee. Exciting and wears like sweetie candy wrapper tights and Almost stuff. Almost looks like, like a barber's pole. Yeah, and his music was just awful. It's just like the WWE tried to make an attempt here, and it just went f- so flat in its face. It was unbelievable because obviously Virgil ends up winning like the million dollar belt and random stuff like this. Yeah, because like he was getting trained by Piper, who at that stage. Piper was on crutches. Yeah. Um, so yeah, what did he do? It was just like, why, why even attempt it? Um, but more interesting and fun stuff around this period of time was, of course, Money Inc., Ted DiBiase, and IRS, Erwin R. Scheister. <laughs> Chris, have you remembered to do your taxes? Uh, I always do. Uh, one, of the, one of the lucky things here in the UK, everybody, if you don't realise it is, um, I don't know the ins and outs of it in America, but it always seems, from what I've heard, you have to fill out your own forms and work out how much you owe the government over the year and all that sort of stuff. Here in the UK, we have a kind of simpler system. We, yes, we do. We don't... Turn it off. Uh, yes, Hello. Um, we don't have this sort of system where we have to fill out our own forms and all that sort of stuff. We put in forms when we get a job, and that they work out a code, and basically our stuff is taken out of our money 
right away when we get a paycheck every month or whatever, which is nice and handy. I don't know why, as I move closer to the microphone, I've went ahead and explained this to you all, because it's really mundane and pretty boring. Is that right? Yeah. But I just thought I'd let you know anyway. So IRS, you can't come chasing after us. It's all right. Cheers. Even though we use our American IRS, they wouldn't be able to come to the UK anyway. But yes, Money Inc., really, really enjoyable for me because this lends me one of my memorable matches. And again, it comes from SummerSlam 92. This is, of course, Money Inc. versus Legion of Doom. Mainly, you know, it's mainly memorable, mainly, mainly, mainly memorable, uh, because you have the entrance from the Legion of Doom on the bikes, on the bikes, and of course, Animal getting like his tight warped to the side of his leg because yeah. of the warm flipping exhaust vent on the bike. But this, I remember, it was a really enjoyable wee tag team bout in front of the crowd. Yeah, and that was the opening match for SummerSlam yeah. not including the dark matches yeah yeah that's true because um, that involved as I do my arm gestures up the and down bushwhackers. the bushwhackers yes um, but yeah it was a good, very good match to get the crowd pumped up at the beginning of a show it really was you, this is the thing with tag team matches if WWE really hit home they did it actually there at SummerSlam the six man tag and I thought it you know pumped the crowd up quite well tag team bouts can be nice they can be fast paced tag in out all that sort of stuff but with well, the you Legion always have somebody who's in the ring for so long. Yes. And, you know, true. like, that's the one thing I hear about tag team matches is like, oh my god, and then the hot tag, and they're like, oh my god. The hot tag's the payoff, though. The yeah. hot tag's the payoff, because everybody's like, hey, let's go, go, go. Uh, but anyway, um, you had two really different teams. You had obviously your tip, DBRC, IRS. Uh, with Jimmy Hart. And this is true, yep. And then you had, of course, the Legion of Doom with. Paul Elring. Yep. And. Crazy pop up freaks me out. LOG, LOG. Uh, um, but there, I've, if you look back and watch SummerSlam '92, I don't know why I'm leaning so close to the microphone. I need to stop. No, no. I need to sit back and relax a wee bit here. Um, <coughs> you're just kind of inclined to move slowly towards it. Yes, I'm just waiting to get a bottle of water. And Chris is just leaving the the show again. He's waiting to get a bottle of water. Um, but yeah, LOD were really, really popular around this period of time and there was quite a few kids in the crowd that had LOD outfits on yeah there was one guy who just looked like he made it himself and you're like oh poor bugger uh, <laughs> but yeah this is a good wee match and obviously you have the heels and you have LOD or the super faces in this so for in terms of character stuff as Chris gets ready to pop some drugs um, I don't mean literally ladies and gentlemen it is just prescribed drugs because he's had a sore throat so Everybody, send your sympathy a, letters. I've had acute bronchitis. In other words, total bollocks. <laughs> As Chris tries to keep his water down. Uh, moving on, uh, he they had three tag reigns together. Well, sorry, Ted had three tag reigns together anyway. Um, Hogan and Beefcake at WrestleMania 9. Yay. As Chris gets excited and goes for a round trees random. Um, that was obviously a winner for Hogan. Um had been beaten up or something uh-huh. uh, before and Beefcake was obviously he was wearing his protective mask because apparently if he was hit his face would smash into a million pieces because of some bullying accident a bit like Cody Rhodes with the face mask and stuff whoa oh, um, yeah so it was 
look, it was enjoyable enough. We matched and they didn't obviously win because I think, you know, like back then I was scared. So, ah, screw this, we'll go in and be like, oh no, they counted out, they lost, but they didn't lose the belts because you can only lose the belts in pinfall and submission. And like, oh, right, okay. Um, but no, I. Unlike Perfect, he seemed to have more high profile matches against Definitely. the bigger names at WrestleMania's. Um, in my opinion don't know whether that was down to his character or not do you think I don't know I don't know if it's that I don't know if it's just luck yeah could be pot luck that's most that's uh, 50% obviously that's um, whenever we saw the debut of JR commentating obviously Mm -hmm. Nacho Man was commentating as well so you know but again we lead ourselves to a sad point he retired in 1993 and again took the very similar step of Kurt Hennig in becoming a commentator and eventually a manager. And again, as Chris mentioned earlier, became the manager of a certain stunning individual. Very much like a dashing individual in the years to come as well. Um, he was the master of that ring, wasn't he? He was. He was, in fact, a ringmaster oh, as well. Okay. He was stunning Steve Austin, the ringmaster and instead of having his stunning blonde locks that we had been grown accustomed to in his tag team days he now had a buzz cut <laughs> very weird sort of style um, to call yourself the ringmaster you would have expected something flamboyant a wee bit much like Ted Yeah. Um, because of course he had his this was Steve and his unmarketable 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 uh, I'm just going to do bubbles, um, black trunks and that like. Yeah. And of course, Ted gave him the rub in the sense of he gave him the million dollar belt. Mm-hmm. But of course, as we know, as history tells us, Steve did not really like this and he wanted to develop his own character and thus eventually came around Stone Cold Steve Austin. And the wrestling world was saved as a result. Yes, very much true. All thanks to Ted DiBiase. <laughs> Well, maybe not. But he, d- he did bring him in, though. It's fine. As we mentioned <coughs> earlier, Hall of Fame, not really much we can add to this apart from it was pretty awesome. Again, the character mentions the bit at the end where he says, make the money rain and $100 bills start floating down from the roof of the you know place. And it's just awesome because he had the million dollar belt with him too. And I love the belt. Yeah, obviously... Um that wasn't his first appearance at the Hall of Fame because a couple of years prior, whenever she was alive, she, yep. he inducted Sensational Sherry. Yes. Um, also, was it last year he inducted somebody? He did. Was uh, it Hacksaw? Was Hacksaw yet? Yeah, was Hacksaw yet? Yeah, yeah. Was right, you're right. Um, so that was actually quite an interesting induction. It was a nice story. Though. Yeah, I thought honestly Slaughter would have inducted Hacksaw rather than yeah. But after, but, you hear, but after you hear the story, yeah, yeah. you understand why yeah. Ted inducted Hacksaw. Yeah. But Taylor's always had a very good presence at the Hall of Fame, not only for his own, but as Chris mentioned. Very there. much like Steamboat. Yeah. He always can tell a good story, and he's always, from being, he's so different in real life in comparison to the character. His character was so flamboyant, so loud, not loud in the sense of warrior, but his voice was so dominating. Um, whereas when he speaks at the Hall of Fame, be it as an inductee or a presenter, he's so calm, and his voice is... You you feel like you're listening to maybe like a grandparent sort of telling a story. Well, I, I suppose and it gets your attention. I suppose in some aspects, it's mainly um, 
down to him being very religious and probably very active mellowed. in the, he's mellowed he, he's very active in the church possibly so yeah. it would be very much like somebody giving a sermon and you mm-hmm. know like um his voice will encapsulate you and then once he starts talking you listen yeah. it's not a case of you know like you're kind of just going what about that for dinner tonight <laughs> you know like yeah. he's talking and you are listening you go like alright well you know thanks very much I enjoyed listening to you a few final points we'll hit on here is we mentioned it earlier the million dollar championship Ted Ted Jr kind of fell flat on its face unfortunately for Ted Jr there is great potential there for Ted Jr it just needs to be seized upon it looks like we may see it in the very near future which kind of leads us to the next point is could we see a Ted Jr, Ted Sr, Dusty Cody sort of thing going on here if Ted gets fed up or something with being Cody's lackey because obviously with their dads it was the opposite way around it was Ted I am the million dollar man Dusty you are the common man blah blah whereas now it's the common man's son who thinks he's you know God's gift obviously he's not dashing anymore and he has the face thing but he's treating Ted as his lackey yeah it almost it's almost like he's self you know rules reversed mm-hmm. you know like um, DiBiase may say he's not very proud of his son he's more proud of Cody and Dusty could say I'm ashamed of my son I wish my son was like you and you know yeah. didn't go out there and you know, cause trouble, etc., etc. Yeah. And, you know, pretend he's injured whenever he's not. And that kind Again, of stuff. we keep hitting this point. There is good potential, but it is not being tapped into, and that is a shame. We can only hope that something major comes to this whole Cody and Ted storyline because when they were last together as legacy, major things happened and there was hopes. Because we did the WrestleMania special two years ago. Yeah. That was the triple threat, Ted. Cody, Randy, who's going to come out of this? Ted, everybody was going. And look, where's Cody? Intercontinental champion, major character, all that sort of a thing. But you, you know that if, like with you saying earlier on, that uh, Triple H wants to reinvigorate the tag team division, mm-hmm. you know that if these two were to be a tag team, it wouldn't be called Money Inc. because DiBiase doesn't have the pulling power. Yeah. It'd be called whatever Cody. Mm-hmm. It'd be code like, it'd be like, uh, Roads to somewhere or something yeah, like that. Definitely, definitely, what it would be. Cody would be your top guy. Speaking of tag teams, if they were to ever come back, if there was some way to reinvigorate Ted Junior's character, say after this Cody thing, it'd be quite interesting. I would think to maybe see sort of maybe a new generation Money Inc. Be it Ted and as we know him, Husky Harris, Bo Rotundo. Uh, Bo and Luke Rotundo, there's another Rotundo down in FCW. Money Inc. Juniors. <laughs> you know, you have them two as a tag team, or Money Inc., but class it as bring Brett, his younger brother, up from development and use it that way. I have heard, though, Brett is injured quite a bit at the minute, and it's like refereeing, so a push to the main roster is probably nowhere in sight. But it would be cool to see a new generation thing if the tag team division was reinvigorated. Favourite feud, Chris? Of DiBiase's? Yeah. I would probably say... Yeah. Huh. Well, I would Hogan pro- and Andre part of it? No, I would probably say his feuds with Legion of Doom, with, you know, obviously with IRS, or his mm-hmm. single feuds, I would probably say with Jake the Snake. 
um, you know, I would probably say those ones. Yeah. For me, actually, it's just a bit of everything, but that is, again, biasy coming through. Um, but if I was to really try and pinpoint, pinpoint something, my mouth really isn't working today. I do. I really do apologise. Um, it would be his involvement in the likes of the whole Dusty Rhodes thing, because he really was able to play up, you're common, I'm rich. There you go. Um... Final wee point again is DVD. Um, you can pick up WrestleMania three and four tied classics from Silver Vision for fourteen ninety nine. These are two very very good WrestleManias, and of course, that is around the time as we mentioned off. Of course, the Andre stuff with mm-hmm. Hogan in three, and then leading to four, and the whole Ted trying to. By the belt. Or obviously you can pick up WrestleMania 26 on DVD yep. or Blu-ray for his um, Hall of Fame Hall of Fame because it's on one of the discs so I'm sure that'll probably be about 22.99 give or take yep. um, for silvervision.co.uk obviously with the likes of America um, probably even the Pop Cuts Network store and see yeah. if they have it um, and uh, just go to um, popculturenetwork.com click on store and uh, just have a type in there just type in uh, Wrestlemania and see what they have see what treasures come before you yeah maybe even you can pick up a Mr. Perfect or a Million Dollar Man figure this is true this is very true um, time to round up now and obviously it's been a while since this show's been out and we do apologise um, we will try and get a new one out very very in near near in the future um, definitely won't be as long because I think by the time this is up it's been about two months since the last one but like we keep harping on we're sorry but we've been busy doing other stuff for you so shh um, but we'll try and have a new one out soon and we are planning to go down the route of focusing on the belts the first one probably we're going to say the WWE title. Yeah, it's just the history of the. It says here the history of the WWE Championship. So this won't be the World Heavyweight Championship. This will be the WWE Championship. You know, um, the first match on is the WWF Championship match, which is Ivan Koloff versus Pedro Morales. So what we'll do is we'll look through the list of the matches in this box set and pick out the key ones that we think are really important to that championship. We may do a certain match commentary, probably he'll want to do a Hogan one, um, so we'll have to come to some compromise, but we'll take you through it, see what stands out, because what better way to redo your history than to go through the history of the WWE title, if you're totally honest. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that isn't all we're going to be doing. (sighs) Gold dust. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We'll probably... We'll probably pick a couple of matches from this and then just talk about them and our feelings towards them and that kind of stuff. Um, but we will also be talking about... This is the DVD set that I have. Another mm-hmm. set that um, we have in our possession um, is the history of the Intercontinental Championship. Yes. So we'll probably just pick a couple of matches from that. So what we'll do is... Which links in because obviously Ted DiBiase was involved with the first ever Intercontinental title match against Pat Patterson. Oh, because that was uh, a unification match. So um, we'll, we'll talk about them. So what we'll probably do is do 
probably do three or four segments depending first segment we'll do one from the WWE Championship one from Intercontinental do that and then at the end if we have time um, we'll do a commentary or what we may do is see what matches there is and put them up as a poll and exactly. uh, get you the vote um, we'll just play by ear you decide as the voice from Big Brother over here would say but you don't understand who Geordie people are Americans uh, just look up Big Brother UK yeah, or look up Jimmy Neal and go like oh I know pet I want to go down the groove Anton Dickman uh, something like that so anyway that's enough of that there so make sure um, keep your eyes and ears peeled and open obviously because you can't peel ears apparently I was about to say peeling the ears that sounds quite uncomfortable uh, um, <laughs> so you can go to popculturenetwork.com join the forums uh, post in there obviously this will be posting the pro wrestling discussion um, obviously if um, there's a bit of a lull in wrestling you haven't listened to us and Dirt's got his up listen to wrestling radio if not and then I don't know what you're going to do you can maybe listen to what you're going to do when they come for you bad boys bad boys you can maybe listen to Total Wrestling Show mm-hmm. um, at TotalWrestlingShow.com um, and that's about it so that's about it um, loads of stuff coming up from Operation Retroshock we're going to have uh, more ORS reviews at the start of September we're going to have more episodes of Operation Retroshock because it actually seems like a small age since we've done a normal episode of Retroshock yeah, it's just the things big, have fell we do have a big guest about it uh, this is on. true which Chris shall announce in the near future we'll hold it off don't for now no, don't worry there's no strings attached to it there's, that's it exactly don't worry we will reveal it to you you won't hold you to ransom or anything like that it'll be absolutely fine you won't get trapped in a mountain avalanche or anything like that but Operation Retroshock many many things coming as we mentioned there's an Italian involved as well somewhere in the future and we'll be having some guests on the show as well there's much plans for this Um, not guests in the sense of an interview but you the people so keep a weather eye on the horizon because this tons coming and I've been Alan Price. And I've been Crispin. And we shall see you next time here on the Operation Retroshock, WrestleShock, ORS Reviews family. Yes, and don't forget to listen to Master Universe Chronicles. Spit it out. That's Master Universe Chronicles. So, bye-bye. Peace! <laughs>